Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Great Air Blitz right here on Block Talk Radio and Apple Podcasts. It's your host, Oscar Lopez, alongside the always informative Troy Wilson. Uh, we will not have the WFA All-Star today with us, Holly Custis, but she will be back next week. So we are going to be talking NFL Week 4. Uh, we're also going to dive into college football. And today we have a special guest. Uh, we have the Atlanta Phoenix General Manager, April uh, Chistler. Uh, Christ, uh, I'm just botching her name completely, but uh, I believe it's Christ, uh, Christler, and um, she's going to be telling us about the exciting um, premiere of this this fall coming up. It's going to be Hustle Hit, Never Out, Hail Mary. It's a reality show. It's coming to TV Sundays, um, and it's going to be on YouTube America, so we're looking forward to that. Uh, you can use the hashtag Hail Yeah, and we're going to be talking to her about it, and we're going to talk about Atlanta Phoenix football for 2018 as they get ready for another WFA season um, coming up in 2018. So, uh, Troy Wilson, how's it going today, buddy? Pretty good, man. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Um, just want to give out a uh, our condolences. Um, you know, this has just been a horrendous month. You know what I mean in terms of outside of football, and I know we talk football, but we forget about reality. Uh, we got Irma, Maria, Puerto Rico, and uh, just just a devastating, devastating tragedy. Um, what an idiot these guys, you know, in Las Vegas. Um, we are our prayers and thoughts go out to all the people in Las Vegas, as well as all the people that have gone through this, you know, from Texas all the way down to uh, the coastline, and then now Puerto Rico in general. So, uh, Troy, it just seems like we're just getting wave after wave after wave after wave, and it just I don't know. Just it's just a sad state. Uh, a lot of people uh, in disarray with their homes have to be placed in different shelters. Um, so you know, um, prayers go out to everybody. To uh, recovery is very slow. Everybody just has to be patient with everything in terms of a uh, recovery mode. I know for a fact that uh, you know when I was in the military, um, things could not speed up as fast as people wanted to, and that's because people get you know. Um, you know, frustrated. It's the one number one thing, and fear factor sets in after that, and you have no idea what's going to happen going forward in your future. And and so uh, Mother Nature sometimes does that, and then you got, you know, idiots like the one over in Las Vegas who just decide to just, you know, uh, just blow up people just for the, the heck of it. So, um, so you know, I just want to make sure that everybody knows we're sending our thoughts and prayers to all those folks, and uh, we're not forgetting about them. Yeah, I mean, it was just, I mean, it just seems like, as you said, I mean, it's just one thing after another, and you just kind of have to wonder, like, when is it going to stop? I mean, you know, whether it's a natural disaster or, you know, caused by some idiot um, who decides to, you know, whatever he's going through or he or she is going through and and decides to, you know, kind of take it out on everyone else. I mean, you just, I mean, I I really feel for, um, you know, for everyone that um, you know that's going through this, I mean, family members, I mean, people lost lives, and you know, and for everyone that was involved, 
and, and also, you know, I want to thank the, the first responders and, and the police uh, for doing their job. I mean, because, you listen, one thing that gets lost out of this is that those guys are, are heroes for what they did. Um, you know, they tracked the guy down, and, and they stopped even further loss of life because, I mean, if they didn't, I mean, who knows what would have been the outcome. So you definitely want to thank those guys uh, for doing their job and, and for being there. But it, it just, you know, my heart goes out to everyone that's, you know, that this has affected. And, and everyone, even the people who were around who weren't involved, I mean, no one's life is going to be the same after that. And, you know, you you hate to, you know, wait till uh, something like this happens to put life in perspective. Uh, you want to have that perspective beforehand, but, you know, unfortunately that's, you know, sometimes that's how it goes. And, and again, my heart goes out to everyone, um, you know, that, that is affected. Yeah, and I just want to bring that up because uh, I don't want everybody to know, uh, you know, to think that, you know, we just talk football, we're having fun out here, talking women's football, we're talking American football, and all of a sudden, you know, reality uh, kind of escapes us. But um, I just want to make sure everybody knows that uh, we we have those uh, prayers and thoughts every night, and we hope that everybody gets back to some sort of normal assemblance, and that's what happens. Uh, the process is a, a long process, whether it be emotional, like in a shooting, or whether it be emotional completely with Mother Nature. Uh, a lot of times we we take our surroundings for granted, and um, so we we got to make we got to be vigilant no matter what, whether it be um, you know alerting when Mother Nature decides to just storm in or whether you know you got this loony loony people that just somehow decide to just take lives and so on but uh on a you know on a positive note i think everything's going somewhat steady there's a lot of people like you said troy they're doing their part responders uh, volunteers and everything else and there's a lot of people donating dollars so um so it's gonna be slow but uh i'm pretty sure everybody will get to some some sort of normality as well um Today we're going to have, um, like I said, April, um, uh, I think it's Christ uh, Lur, and I'm, if I'm correct, I, uh, when she comes on, I will, I, I'll have to apologize, but it is C-H-R-I-S-T. She's the general manager of the WFA Atlanta Phoenix, and she's going to be joining us because there is a uh, documentary that's going to be coming up, uh, or a series, in other words, not a documentary, but a series. Um, it is a national TV uh, season premiere It'll be this fall, and they they launched it earlier on October, I believe, first or second, and they've re rechanged that date. Um, it's going to be Hail Mary reality show, um, and so it's coming to TV Sundays at it's going to be four uh, four p.m. Eastern, I think, three Central. It's going to be on uh, the platform is YouTube America. Uh, the hashtag is Hail Yeah, and um, April's going to be joining us here in a couple minutes, um, about fifteen after the hour here. And we're going to talk to her about Atlanta Phoenix football and everything else. Um, Troy, what is going on in Washington? Is this, you know, what, what's up in Washington? And it looks like it's promising. And then all of a sudden, things change a little bit. So uh, tell us a little bit about Washington. You know, um, watching watching this team play, um, you, you, you know, they're starting to get a feel for what they are. Um, you know, initially during, in, you know, after the Philadelphia game, I felt like they had a problem establishing their identity. Um, and I thought maybe after the Oakland game and also after the LA Rams game, I thought that they had established an identity, which was to run the football and then play solid defense. And it looked like that the Chiefs 
kind of took their game plan and used it on their own. I mean, the Chiefs pretty much controlled the clock and the ball for the entire game. And um, and it also became a war of attrition where, you know, a lot of the Redskins players were, were injured, especially on de- on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, the Redskins ended mm-hmm. the game and they only had four defensive backs left to play. Um, so, you know, when the, when the Chiefs went, you know, three and four wide, you know, they didn't have enough defensive backs to, to, to play against these guys. So, I mean, after a while, it just became a war of attrition, and it was just way too many mistakes on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, some of the some of the calls were a little bit uh, a little bit sketchy, but in the end of the day, you cannot give up five first downs when you had them stopped on third down, and you know you, you cause a penalty whether it be jumping off sides or lining up off sides or a legal hand in the face or a holding call on you know defensive holding. I mean, these are things that if you want to be a good team, those things you have to clean up. And you notice it wasn't too many flags that came down on the Kansas City side. So, I mean, that that just goes to how, you know, disciplined that that team is. But watching them play, I'm excited. I mean, I, I felt like that the Chiefs coming into this game, they were the best football team in the NFL. And I think the Redskins absolutely acquitted themselves on a national stage even though they didn't get the win, at the end of the day, they had a chance to win. Um, it just, you know, with the pass dropped in the end zone, and I, and I feel for the kid. You know, he's, he's been he's been hurt pretty much all season and all last season, and so for you know for him to drop the pass in the end zone, that was that was a little bit rough. But there was also some time uh, time management issues. I felt like Jay Gruden he called a timeout. It was 56 seconds left in the game but she had 30 left in the play clock and I'm, and it was a third and two. Let the clock run down a little bit. They didn't call the timeout, you know, and, and they just left way too much time on the clock for Alex Smith to drop down the field, especially since you had all the defensive backs that were hurt. Um, so I just felt like the Redskins definitely had their chances. They, they, it was, it, it looks promising for the future. Initially during the season, you know, when I saw the schedule come out, I thought that the Redskins would be two and two going into the bye, and I thought the bye would have been too early. But listen, they are two and two, and that bye could not come in a better time because they have a lot of healing up to do. But I think moving forward, this team looks very promising. And right now, Kirk Cousins, in my opinion, is the best quarterback in the NFC East as well. All right, uh, what do you say about my Rams? My Rams have been impressive. Uh, First win against Dallas. I thought the win against Dallas was impressive in a way that they stuck it out. They were down and they came back on. So I, I think I think they're turning a page. If anything, we'll see how they do against the Seahawks. This will be their second real test. Washington was an awakening test, I think, Troy. Right? Washington was the beginning of what they're able to do, and all of a sudden, going into Dallas this week, I was as any Ram fan was. I'm getting to the stage where like they fall down early, and I'm like, oh, oh my God, now the old Rams. And all of a sudden, they kind of just they creep back up. Hey, listen, I think McVay, he's what he's starting to do is feel out his team. Like he he realizes what his strengths are. For some reason, the you know the Rams uh, squad of last year didn't accentuate their strengths, with the, which is Todd Gurley, um, giving that guy the ball. However, you can do that, and Sean McVay has figured that out. Whether it be a passing threat or running the football, they have to get the, get the ball into that guy's hands. And then you see the emergence of other players like Cooper Cup and, and Gerald Everett. 
guys who are rookies coming in there and they're contributing from day one, you have to look at that team and say to yourselves, all they're going to do is get better. You know, that, that, that should be the thinking. And then it also looked like that on the defensive side of the ball, it looks like they had some things figured out. They had Dallas rattled for, for, most, for most of that second half. And, and I, I was just really impressed by the way that they played, and they did that in Dallas in a pretty hostile environment. It's tough to win there, and they played against a pretty uh, formidable team. But the way that they equipped themselves on defense and they made the plays and made the stops when they had to, Against Dak Prescott, who was who was ascending into one of the he's ascending into a superstar in the league right now. They had him flustered a little bit in that third and fourth quarter, and I felt like this team is one of the teams that's on the rise, and especially right now in the NFC West division, where pretty things are pretty up in the air. You know, you don't know how Seattle is going to fare because they have had their problems, they have injuries, especially along the offensive line. They are they I feel like that that division is right for the taking. And I think the Rams are in prime position to do so, especially starting off three and one. And as you said, going in, you know, they have a home game against Seattle this coming up week. This is going to be huge for them. You know, you're talking about a huge game. They played well against Washington, who, in my opinion, is one of the better teams in the NFL. They've won a tough game against a division rival with the 49ers. It was a shootout game. It was a great game. And then they beat the Cowboys also in a shootout in 35-30. Just a great win. You really want to see them keep it going, and this would be a great way to do that by getting an upper hand on the Seahawks and, and getting another division win, which is even more important. I, I'm worried about the defense, Troy, because they've shown up in one game and they literally didn't show up in another, and all of a sudden this this week uh, it was our kicker and you know some of the offensive plays that make the difference. So our defense, it seems like it's, um, I wouldn't say lagging, but uh, of course – um, the the Cowboy offense obviously uh, poses some challenges, and I think that's where the case was. So we'll see how Seattle, um, Seattle, you know how they work out. But my my thing since uh, the beginning of the season is if McVay can beat the division consistently, if he beats Seattle, then he gets Arizona. If he can beat the division twice, uh, he's in the playoffs. For, it's, he's done everything, if not more than what Fisher did in the tenure he was there which speaks volumes for him. Yeah, and especially since, you know, again, he's still learning. He's still learning his guys. I mean, you know, as a new coach, every every player on that roster, you know, except for the ones that he brought over from, from Washington, he, he brought a few over from over there. Um, but all of those guys are new to him. So he's learning his team, and he's learning them pretty quickly. And I just think, you know, what he's also doing is, listen, when in doubt, go to your horses. And Todd Gurley is a horse, man. I mean, to me, right now, he looks like uh, he's an MVP candidate. I mean, he has been completely lights out this entire season so far. And you, everyone kind of wondered, how is he going to rebound from that sophomore slump? I mean, what a response that he is having in the first four games. So, uh, looking forward, teams are really going to have to account for him. And then also uh, with, with Jared Goff. I mean, last year, there were so many people who were down on him um, as far as not being a good quarterback and saying that Philadelphia Eagles got the best of, you know, the the two quarterbacks that are out there and take nothing away from Wentz. But I'm really liking the way Jared Goff is playing. And the the bigger thing is he's he's looking like a leader out there. And you can see that he is a lot more confident than he was last year. He is not shying away from any of the spotlights. 
He's playing big, and he's playing big-time football, two national televised games in, in a row. You really like the way he's playing right now, and you just want to see if he can keep that going. Again, going against the Seahawks defense, that'll be the best way to sit back and say to himself, how, can, how am I going to fare against one of the better defensive, uh, defensive teams in the NFL? All right. So um, you can visit our Zazzle shop at Zazzle.com, Gridiron Beauties, forward slash Gridiron Beauties. You can use codes and save up to 40% off. Um, take advantage of all those, every sale from the Zazzle.com site. Um, if you're in the international realm, if you're in Europe or in Australia or any other site, you can go to the Zazzlesite.com lower right side, it says Worldwide uh, Sites. Under Worldwide Sites, order your favorite stuff under those sites, which would be uh, Zazzle.com forward slash uh, AU, Zazzle.com forward slash UK, etc. Check out the international sites as well at Zazzle.com forward slash Great Iron Beauties and order your stuff, uh, no joke football gear as well, hoodies, tees, leggings, etc. So uh, just go to Zazzle. Thanks to Zazzle to make, uh, make us uh, our platform possible on the radio as well. Uh, so they have been big supporters of us as well. Dazzle.com for slash Great Iron Beauties. All right, let's uh, dive into the No Joke Football Huddle. And, of course, sponsored by Zazzle.com. And we're going to go into the huddle with the general manager of the WFA Atlanta Phoenix, and that would be April uh, Preisler. And she's going to be talking about uh, a series that's coming up. So, April, are you on the line? I am. I'm here. It's April Chrysler, but you know, Chrysler. That's I, I apologize for. Right. <laughs> I apologize for botching your name. So uh, it's okay. Chrysler, right? Chrysler. Yeah, like Christmas. Chrysler. Okay. All right. So I apologize, April, for that. Um, but uh, April, exciting news. You you guys brought this out uh, a while back, right? About 90 days or so, and the news came out. And so tell us a little bit about this exciting. Uh, uh, series that's supposed to be coming on, I believe, on YouTube America, right? Right. Well, yeah, it's coming out on YouTube America. We were um, we are the uh, first women's football team, uh, tackle team, to be um, to be in an agreement with a uh, nationwide television network, uh, cable network, to um, broadcast a, a series uh, on on you know national television. So it's it's a pretty exciting time for us, but um, more important just really about women's football because, you know, the show is not just going to be about, you know, the Atlanta Phoenix and the struggles of, of juggling women's football and, and women's life. Um, it's really just going to show and tell the story of what it's like for most women, if not all women, um, that have to um, juggle their real lives, their kids, and, and everything else under the sun um, in their household with, also playing the, the, their passion, uh, football. It's, it's not at all like the, um, the male's football life. And so it's, it's a pretty extraordinary way to live your life. Um, it, it adds some pretty extraordinary, you know, character to yourself and, um, and several factors to your life that I think that are um, mostly positive, but will also shed a light on some things that could be improved as well in, in the sport overall in society um, in the league and just really just, um, and just a real, it's, it's a reality show. So it, it'll be a real look into the life of a women's football player, um, with, um, with some, um, some very engaging, um, content. And we think it'll be very, um, entertaining. Um, from what I've seen, 
so far from our production is, is really entertaining. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of funny as well, um, but it's not anything like the, you know, the love and hip-hop or the, you know, Real Housewives type of reality show. It's a feel-good show. It's educational. And, and again, uh, it's, it's really engaging. You get a chance to take a look at what real women football players look like. And I, I think that we'll debunk some of the stereotypes that, that people have about women's football players as well. Uh, April, how did this come about? Was it you, somebody in the organization? Did somebody reach out to you? How, how, was, how did this get started? Um, well, it's, um, it, it's, it's a project of mine. It's something that, that I thought was, um, was a necessary route that someone in women's football take. Um, it was quite an investment to initially about three years ago uh, what happened about three years ago? We were on a on a reality show on Lifetime uh, called Double D- Double Divas, and just from the Lifetime production crew getting involved with us, and they saw that we were a really colorful team and and, um, and characters, and had a lot of personality, and they had a lot of time, a lot of fun filming with us for their season finale. And they suggested they were like, you know, you guys have a lot of great content. You should have your own show. And so we talked we talked that around a little bit with some people and um and from there is is where it started. So basically, you know, it was initiated with someone kind of getting to know us, um, and, and saying, you know, you guys are, are, are a big personality type of team and you could definitely carry your own weight with your own show. And so from there I just um I, I felt like in order for women's football to grow then we need to have some type of um, content or we should, you know, um, get on a larger stage and, and have more people to see us. And that way we get a lot more visibility and awareness and, and certainly, monet, you know, um, marketability um, to women's football if we could get more people to see us at one time or throughout the year or in the off season. So it's really type of, of, of a project of mine that, that I spearheaded um, that started about three years ago when, you know, when, when we were engaging with uh, with Lifetime. And since then, then I just, I, I got a production company put together a pilot of uh, what I thought that I created is, is, is a really good show and um, shopped it out there. And lo and behold, the network hit us back and was like, you know, you guys are amazing. I would love to tell the story of women's football on, on our network. And so, um, so that's how it that's that's how it happened. It was a, of course there's a little bit more to that, but that's it, it, in a nutshell. That's pretty much how it happened. April, are we going hard knock style on this? Is it something like hard knock, where we're diving into the <laughs> yeah, off field yeah, stuff yeah. and then the the during practice field? So there's going to be variety, basically, right? It's you know it's a it's a it's a lot like a hard knock, yeah. It's and I'm, I'm it, and a lot of people have asked and it's like yeah, it's kind of kind of like a hard knock. Um, it's a blend between that and maybe you know um, if I could call another show out, maybe like a, a bring it um, and and a little bit of Friday night types. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's 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 kind of it's kind of a blend of of all those shows and. Um, you know, but it, they're women, so they're they're gonna be you know they're gonna be some some um, some interesting conversations and some interesting um, content along the way as well. But yeah, but if I, if I were to if I were to tie it to a type or a, a theme, it would be more like a hard knock, uh, but maybe a little bit more edgy, a little bit more edgy. All right. 
so we're, are we looking at focal players that you chose, or is it going to be an overall, like, we're going to get to meet certain players, some of their struggles, and then at, 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 at some point we get to see uh, standout, certain standout players. Obviously, throughout the season you get to see that, you know, because you're playing games in, on and off, on and off the field. So it, it sounds like it's going to be one of those things where fans are really going to be diving into, not so much, a like you said, a, a soap-type show, but at the same time a reality-based sports show. Um, and I, Hard Knocks, I think, does a good job of just showcasing the struggles of how you get to this level and how you're, how you're able to make it to the roster. But, um, you know, women's football is way different, uh, to your point, because obviously it's not like you get played the – to play, you're not drafted off of college, that kind of deal. So it's a totally different mindset. Yeah, you know, and that's yeah. It's so it it will mainly follow. Like I think the only main cast member is probably going to be me because I'm the brand. I'm the I'm the trunk, and and my players are the branch, and and I talk to a, a lot of them um, every day throughout the day. And so yeah, there, there will be a a main. Um, group of of cast members, and that's because they probably have the most um, ties with me, considering mm-hmm. um, their relationship on the team. You know, my my captain um, Carla Odom, you know, is a main character uh, or cast member. Um, J Rock and J Rock was on uh, Team USA, and so you know, and these are people that that probably the the, the world of women's football are probably already familiar with their names. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Kristen London was also on, on Team USA, and she's one of the main cast members. And my Kia Armstrong, who really just kind of uh, goes against the, the stereotype, and, um, and 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 you know, Karima Champion and, and their partners. And so there's there's conversation about you know how relationships work within women's football. And we're going to be very honest about about you know yeah making the team, the dynamics of the relationships on the team. Um, and just the entire spectrum, hood, spectrum of, of womanhood that represent women's football um, across, you know, um, you know, all different, you know, preferences and, and lifestyles and, and socioeconomical, um, you know, um, stances in life and, and, and professions. So, it, so because of that, that other players get pulled in as well, um, considering that a lot of the story is about me and what I do to support them and to grow them into being, you know, football players from people that are converted from basketball, swimming, track, soccer, softball, you know, it's, it's, and then having their partners to accept them now as these, as these football players. And so, yeah, there will be a main cast, but a lot of my players will actually get some, you know, some 15 minutes of fame, so to say. All right, so April, I'm going to be, I'm going to be very frank here. Is this, does this right. elevate the Atlanta Phoenix, or does this benefit the WFA brand? Do you think it will do both, or do you think it's going to elevate? I think it'll do. Gonna... I think it'll do both. I think it'll do both. Um, we're kind of like the guinea pigs, is what I kind of is, is what I like to say. You know, um, mm-hmm. what what we will talk about is the women's football struggle, not becoming an Atlanta Phoenix. So I know okay. that the Hard Knocks route is like, you know, um, Hard Knocks, you know, Atlanta Falcons and, and Hard Knocks, you know, um, you know, Arizona Cardinals. But this is, you know, Hail Mary um, in Atlanta, but it's, it's definitely written and created in a way that is franchisable. And that was my, um, my main focus when talking with the network is that it's not just, just me in Atlanta Phoenix. 
there are other teams that have great stories and great athletes. And, and in order for us all to, um, I guess, um, eat off of this, you know, I see this as something that um, there are other teams that can come behind Atlanta and have the same relationship. But as a matter of fact, you know, I already have like the next two teams that I've already promote. I've already proposed to the network that, that would be great candidates to do this, but still within our story at Hail Mary Atlanta, um, a lot of my conversation, if you talk to me just as a general manager, a lot of my conversations I have with um, sponsors and partners or whatever is about women's football as a whole, not just Atlanta Phoenix. And I think that us stepping out to create this revenue stream, because that's exactly what it is, creating this revenue stream is to um, create a new business model that I believe that we can all um, um, duplicate and, and, and we could sort of say be a template for how we can um, create uh, commercialization and monetization for, for women's football teams um, in, 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 in the WFA specifically. Yeah. So, April, uh, you're going down into uh, Neil Rosenthal's uh, historical encyclopedia. I can just tell you that right now. So you'll, you'll have your own little section of success there. So you'll be very, very well noted there. Um, Troy, you have anything for April at this point? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, how, how's it going, April? Hey, what's up, Troy? Hey, um, so I wanted to know what got you involved in, in into foot into football and, and importantly uh, women's football. I mean, because you know we cover it all the time and we see how global it is and. Um, how it's, it's growing so much, and you see it's, it's kind of growing exponentially every year. But what got you involved in the sport? Man, you know, my story is uh, is <laughs> um, I was uh, I, I was heartbroken, and I needed something to do to focus on um, on something out outside of my feelings, to be honest. And somebody saw me, and they said, you know, you're pretty solid. And uh, I want you to I want you to try out for this football team, and I did. And I actually started playing. Uh, I, I played for the Atlanta Explosion um, as a defensive tackle. And I, by trade, I'm a I'm a project manager slash program manager. And I kind I tend to look at the business side of things a lot more. And when things are broken, I try to fix them. So um, I, I recognized very quickly that I was a lot better at the business and a lot more interested in the business of women's football because there was an obvious gap um, in, in, I think, in the nation and, and this great opportunity to, um, to build women's self-esteem and, and to keep us fit at, at, at several different, you know, um, um, sizes, you know. And so um, I just found that when I played football, it did, it did a great amount to my, my confidence and my leadership and um, and my coachability and my and my you know my I don't know, it just it just really improved my life um, and I think that if you talk to most women it was it was it was very therapeutic and, and and gave us an outlet that we didn't even know that these guys were taking uh, advantage of all these years that we were missing out on and so um, and that's how I started and 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 I found out about the WFA being really the top tier of women's football. And um, and I was like, you know what, if anybody's going to do it, you know, um, and I had big plans, then and why not me? Again, I think that women's football is an amazing opportunity for, for sponsors and advertisers um, of a lot of different brands. 
to um, to promote their their product in front of uh, the the population that spends about seventy percent of the dollar. You know, women's football is the only platform that really you can promote Gerber, um, Under Armour, Coors, and you know, I don't know, um, always you know, feminine hygiene products all in one. We 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 offer a platform to, to market damn near every product um, on the planet. And so I think that it's a really good – it's a gold mine that hasn't been tapped into by, um, by corporations to, to, um, to, to product place and to put their brand and their message in front of a, a great audience. And so that on the business side, that's, that's that. So football side, I think that football is, is like the greatest opportunity and the greatest exposure for, for young people to just home in on some leadership skills and some just – assertiveness and, and tenacity. And on the business side, I think there's a, a, an opportunity for businesses um, to, to grow their brand in front of a fresh, some fresh eyes that hasn't been tapped into yet. So there's two, kind of two things that's going on for me. That's a fantastic point, fantastic point. Um, the other question I wanted to ask you was as far as the future of it, because, I mean, again, we see this, you know, it's not just uh, here in the U.S. We see this, you know, abroad. We see this basically worldwide when you're we're what you know we're paying attention to women's football with you know with all that's going on with it and all the great things you guys are doing in Atlanta and also uh for the WFA where do you envision seeing women's football five maybe ten years from now do you envision that you know we will see the major sponsors and and if so or if not um, what do you think is really kind of uh, holding these things up, uh, the progress as far as getting it more for sponsors and, and, and in a nutshell, to, to get these ladies paid? Man, you know what? That's uh, that's why we're doing this, Troy, and I can answer that just in, in, in one hashtag, hashtag WNFL. Um, there's not been a sport that women have frontiered that we have not eventually been able to um, take to a, a mass media uh, platform. Um, we wanted to, you know, play tennis. They said we couldn't. We did. They, we wanted to play, and if it just gets to recent times, we wanted to play golf. They said we couldn't. We did. They said, you know, we wanted to box. They said we couldn't. We did. They said we wanted we wanted to play basketball. They said we couldn't, and now we have a WNBA. So um, I believe that with what – and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. The reason why I'm doing what I'm doing is not because Atlanta Phoenix needs to be on this platform of a pedestal of greatness. It is because I'm showing, you know, um, I think the powers that be that there is an opportunity here for um, a, a subsidiary or a partnership. And, and really what the, what the WFA is, is minus, and it is not because the effort is not there and it's not because the passion isn't, isn't there. It's because we don't have the resources. If we got some resources behind us at a corporate level to do a co-op opportunity and to, and to take us under our wings and lend us some management resources, then we would be as great as any other professional sport that you've seen women um, get into. You know, um, The WNBA is what the WNBA is, which is in front of millions of people um, because you know, they have the assistance of the NBA, and they have fewer players and more games or what have you, whatever, and, and it's not even – and I'm not, I'm not sliding basketball at all, but just be honest, what, football is the biggest sport in, in our nation, you know, and so you put, you put the – the, if you, you put some NFL resources and a little bit of their money behind um, a proven product, 
and and we have you know uh, a, a following nationwide, and we we're growing faster than than basketball did. Um, you you give us some NFL light resources, and we'll, each team could take a million dollars from the NFL and do magic with it because we're already operating on shoestring on a shoestring budget, and we're growing this sport whether people like it or not off of you know our own paychecks, and we're not paying the players, and these girls are pay, are playing without pay. They're actually paying to do this, and so salaries to get more women, to get more talent, to get you know, more passion and more accountability and more, you know, attendance and practices and, and more dedication to, you know, homing in on your skill is not going to take these ridiculous salaries that these men have in the NFL. It would even take the salaries that they have in the, in the WNBA. Uh, but, you know, give these women just a little bit more, a little bit of money to start it off. Do an experiment with uh, with a few teams and I bet you with the talent that we already have within the WFA and the passion we have in the owners, and, you know, we, we, would, we, would, work, we would take very good, um, you know, care of a little bit of money if we got a, a company to, to do an experiment with us and help us to grow it to a WNFL. It's going to happen, period. Five years ago, we didn't know who Ronda Rousey was, you know, and now she's one of the biggest tickets in, in MMA, you know, soccer is already women's soccer is already one of the biggest tickets and pullers in 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 soccer. And let's not talk about what Venus and Serena are doing to tennis. You know, so you you give women a platform, you know, to to to, to be seen being phenomenal. People want to see that. People want to see tough women. People want to see strong women. People want to see us be. Um, you know, um, the Shebras and the Amazons that we can be. And, and, and that's this sport, and that's what we do. So I think that we'd be an amazing ticket for the NFL and, and, and an amazing, um, you know, um, just project for them to take on. And I'm, a, I'm an amazing program manager, and I would love to, take, to, to, to have that responsibility to help to, to take a, a project on, like creating the WNFL. And so that's why I'm doing it, you know. If I, if I may say so, I mean, I, I just I hear the smarts and I hear the passion in your voice, and I, I, it, you got me excited. So I just I cannot wait for you to be able to pitch these things to these NFL guys because I'm telling you right now, what's going to end up happening is you got you, people like you, especially you, they're going to end up putting this game really up on the map and putting this on the forefront. So I, I cannot wait to see what the future holds for you. And uh, I, I really appreciate that, uh, you know, the knowledge that you just gave me on it. So you just schooled me on a whole lot of things. So definitely, I appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome. I, I appreciate the flattery. Um, I don't get it a whole lot as a GM. I get beat up on a whole lot, um, and I'm not as nice <laughs> as I am on a on a radio convers on a radio conversation. I'm please understand when you see this 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 reality show, you'll see a, a, another side of of me and why they call me Brain. And um, yeah, it's it's. I, I love this sport. I love my girls, and I tell them all the time. Um, I don't know another way to love you guys more than to go get y'all some money, and that's what I want to do. Uh, they they sacrifice a lot of dollars out of their household. Not just Atlanta, Phoenix, Dallas Elite, Derby, Cal, Boston, Pittsburgh. There's so many women out there that are pulling money out of their household to make this happen, and the best way I know to pay them all back is to go get some money from somebody, 
you know, and, and that's that I think that that's what I'm here to do. Katie Katie is out there being a part of the NFL. You got OJ that was just a part of the Atlanta Falcons. They're doing their job to do it that way and we nothing that they're doing is, is insignificant and it's all a part of, of us getting out there. This is just my this is my lane and this is what I'm going to do. So they work that angle and I'm gonna work this one and let's just hope that we can we can all meet in the middle and uh blow this thing up to where it needs to be. Try anything Hello? else for April? No, I, I, I exhausted my question. So thank you again, April. I appreciate that. That was, that was all love right there. Well, I appreciate April, it. Uh, we have brought up the fact that uh, the National Women's Hockey League has a perfect model, to your point of the WNBA model. Do you feel that in order for you to breach that goal that you're talking about right now, do you feel that it will be an East Coast-based type of web for the WFA, because I think that's where the strong points are. You got yourselves, you got the divas, the the fashion, the renegades, the sharks, the blitz right up north. Um, the travel costs would be lessened. Uh, the opportunity would be there to put something on a platform, just like you've done here with this series. Do you feel that that's something attainable at this point? Um, I, I think we got. I think we we still got. We still have a couple of stairs to climb, you know. Um, and and definitely what we're doing with with the with the series. And, and let me correct. It's not going to start in the on October first because the quality of the production wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And I just refused to put anything out that wasn't going to give us the best the best shine. And so I've asked to push it back to the next season, which is in January. And and so that's why I'm saying that you know we we have a couple of more tiers that we have to we have to uh, um, rise in order to get to what I think that they're doing with the in, in hockey. Um, we've got a lot of conversation we've got to have within the league that just you know to resolve some internal um, uh, policies and, and and workflows and how we handle different things. And so uh, which is why I think that one of the things that we could do in the immediate is to partner with a league uh, or a consultant or a management group that could help us by lending us some professional resources that could take on some fundraising to bring us corporate sponsorships um, across the nation to all teams to alleviate some of that travel because that's really where a lot of the stump is. The biggest issue that we have as owners, as general managers, and women's football is the travel, and that kills us. And so – a, a corporate sponsorship at that level or some um, a, a pool or a network of, of resources that can uh, alleviate that strain would make a huge difference. And so if we could do something like that, then I don't think that we would have to limit ourselves to being, you know, coastal in operation. We could still remain a national, um, a, a, a national league with, you know, an Atlanta playing a Dallas or, you know, Atlanta has gone out to, to LA to play Central Cal but you know that took me stepping into my pocket to make sure that that happened. And so every all the owners don't have it like me, and hell, I don't have it like me. Um, so um, you know, I, I think that we could still do it across the nation and be by coastal, um, but it would take a partnership with a uh, with a travel entity or a corporation that would help us do that. Now, April, the regional the regional factor would be baby steps. The only reason we bring it up on the show all the time is because of the money constraint. So when you look at a business mm-hmm. model, 
you would you would obviously have to look at that first. As to your point, so going from Atlanta to D.C., from D.C. to New York, and you know Pittsburgh to D.C., New York to Pittsburgh or Boston, not so much of a burden. I don't feel in that sense, but it has to be a unified group of owners that really would like to put uh, what we call what I would consider WFA Pro. You know what I mean? You would still have the three-tier system because you would still need a developmental league to try to feed talented players to the next level. Sort of what the NBA does with the development league, sort of that aspect of it. So I think if you go that route initially, you can gather some sponsors and hopefully you turn an eye in a year to the, you know, the big gorilla, which is in New York. And understand if you can play good quality football, because ultimately that's the branding. Good quality football will stand out. You get competitive games, you put that out there, somebody's going to take notice and say, well, this needs to be on TV. You know, you you have softball on TV. You got all these other things on CBS Sports, um, you know, .com or whatever, CBS Sports Channel and all that stuff. So the the opportunity is there. The only reason I bring the National Women's Hockey League into play is because they've done that model where they're regional in the East Coast. And they've been able to acquire sponsors on a slower scale to supplement their travel costs as well. So I think uh, if you start WFA Pro as an East Coast league, you will you will eventually get to you know Midwest and West um, because of once you get a sponsor in there, it's like to your point, it makes it so much easier to streamline uh, to get the funds kind of allocated and then sit down and really focus on how do we how do we expand you know Midwest and go west. That's a very good point. You know, I think that there are a few options out there that, and I'm not going to say that they're, they're one is better than the other, but because we'd have to take so many other factors into consideration with the teams that we have that exist that are strong. And so, uh, but certainly, yeah, the, the way that you present it there is like, um, it's something similar to a conversation I just had this morning that I felt like, um, uh, and I use the development league with the with the NBA as an example, and it's something that we could probably explore in women's football. Um, you know, obviously it's, it's not going to happen this season, and so um, because there's already decisions made as to how we're going to operate. But yeah, that that's hey, that's a that's a definite um, business model that that I think that a management company taking into consideration all of our factors and all of our exactly. operations and our you know, that they would, that's uh, a one, an A, B, or a C that we could evaluate to see if it, if it would work best for us. And I just wanted to work best. You know, I just want best practices uh, to grow us and not, you know, stagnant or um, inadequate or, or antiquated practices that to keep us in the same, same place we're, we're in. Um, not necessarily now, but just, you know, I, you know, nobody wants to be blockbuster. Nobody wants to be Memorex. Nobody wants to be Polaroid. You know what I mean? So, if you're not if you're not looking at what Redbox is doing and giving some respect to it, then that's how you end up having a bunch of storefronts with all these rental tapes and and nobody's coming in to to rent them anymore, right? Does that right. Make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, April, the reason I bring up East Coast Regional is because you're a metro, Pittsburgh's a metro, DC's a metro, New York's a metro, uh, Boston's a metro, Montreal obviously a metro. What I'm saying is. The, the volume of fans to, to gather them into a stands uh, in a big metro is not going to happen like it does in other, you know, other uh, teams. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will say, okay, well, you're not supporting the sport as a whole. Technically, I'm not. 
because it's not about supporting the sport as a whole yet. The, the, the point is you have to get, like you said, to a level of sponsorship where the product will attract even more sponsorship. Then you can branch out and do uh, like the NFL owners do with, you know, a separation of percent of feed. You know, once you get dollars, uh, to your point as a general manager, then you can, once you have them in front of you, then you can, uh, you can allocate and go, okay, how much support do we give uh, WFA1? You know what I mean? Because they're the next level to come mm-hmm. up as a feeder system to pro. And how do we give support to WFA2? Because they're obviously, you still have to maintain the sport. Because just because you can't uh, suit up 52 men or women on one team, you're still going to be able to have a 25, 25-man roster or you're able to accommodate a 20-man roster with a, you know, maybe a 7-on-7, seven 8-on-8 seven, eight eight type of league, that still will maintain the sport, you know what I mean? Because people gravitate and move from job to job. They go from area to area. The opportunities there where you, you can get talented women that maybe played in I-8, and then they go to the next level, which is WFA2 or something in a different market, and then eventually they branch out to a WFA1 market. Um, the product then will build in a positive Flow. And then, you know, WFA1 is a consideration to go to pro. So your point is, okay, we get, if you get a couple of East Coast teams together and they're solid for a year or two or three uh, business plan and you're, you're solid after three years and you're, you're bringing in very good revenue, now we got to understand, okay, who do we bring in next? Who, who will benefit us in terms of market and what's that going to cost us in terms of travel costs? Because I, I know as a general manager, that's the one thing you understand is bottom line. <laughs> Fundraising, yeah. bottom line, where are the dollars? We've got to stay positive and not negative. Um, and that's usually, you know, that's usually the case with anything. I mean, I'm a business guy, you're a business person, and the bottom line is if you're not making a profit, you really are not going to survive. It's just the way it is. You have to make some sort of profit to survive. Um, so I think the WFA being the, the brand that we cover most, not to take anything away from the IWFL, uh, but we covered the FPA a lot more, obviously 60 teams and a lot more interest in that sense. I think, you know, Lisa and the uh, founders or the ownership, you know, needs to really put together an April, you know, uh, somebody in D.C., somebody in Pittsburgh, somebody in New York, and really have a brainstorming session about what is the travel cost going to be in a, on a 18 solid pro league. Because that's what the NWSL has done, the, the National Women's Soccer League. They started with mm-hmm. the major markets because they know that you can't go to every city, but you have to pinpoint survival cities. And what I mean by that is the, the bigger the market, the better opportunity for uh, uh, return on investment. That's really what I'm getting at because you're not going to take a gamble on, you know, the um, uh, Music City Misfits to put them in, in WFA Pro, right? But you, are, you will take a gamble and – on, a, on the Atlanta Phoenix because it's in a major market. The opportunity is there for um, maybe have a partnership with the Falcons, maybe have a partnership with the local other local sports teams. And then now you build a relationship to where they might draw sponsors for you as well. And those sponsors see value in your brand as well. So I, I think I applaud you for, for the, the series that you're doing and also applaud you for all the effort that you've done with branding. And um, the Phoenix has been – a very good quality team since I've been covering the sport since 2009. Your organization has been one of the staple organizations in WFA. So I applaud you for being a front runner to get the brand out there, but also not just your team, but the vision, like you said, to get to that WNFL level. 
Yeah, I, I thank you, and you know, and just really the the um, I guess the platform that as you see it is is being a potential that of how we could operate is um, I've heard it several times, and I and it just with different flavors and different you know different um, components. Um, just tweaks here and there, and I think that it's very close to what a lot of people are, are thinking. I, for one, honestly, um, do believe that there should be a, a smaller number of teams, um, but that's not to negate and not to dismiss the opportunity for women in other smaller markets to continue to play, which is why I believe that, yeah, it would work in a more developmental type of um, tier where, you know, and you use the Music City team as an example, and I'll piggyback off of that, where perhaps they're not in a market as large as Atlanta, but with some assistance and with some growth um, steering that, you know, they could grow into a larger, uh, into a higher tier and be, you know, opened up and, and come into the, quote, unquote, uh, the pro the pro league uh, and because they, they certainly have they, – they're a, a tenacious team. They've got a really good um, ownership and management there, and that's exactly what he would like to do. They're, they're a Tier 2 or Tier 3 team right now, and they are hoping to grow to a, a, a Tier 1 team. And, you know, and Tennessee has a national football team. And so if, if the Music City team were to break out and be that women's football pro team in that state, then I think that the league would have done its job in um, developing because what's the good in having a developmental league if you're not actually developing them to grow into the pro league? So, um, again, we could talk about this all day. You know, we could have a whole one-week one symposium about nothing but this and get a meeting of the minds, and there are so many different flavors that we could throw at this and in different ways it could work, it would just really, like I said, I would really, really open up and welcome a management group or um, some larger conglomerate that's already established a sports brand, preferably to come in and to just really just take us, take our hands and, and just show us what we're, what, what we're doing wrong and what we could be doing right and how they could help us, you know? No, I agree. Um, you know, and, and like I said, we applaud you. Um, the team has done well. The market is a big market. Um, you know, the par- a partnership with the Falcons should come at some point. You have Sam in the NFL realms. You said you have Jen Welker as well. You have Katie. Um, like you said, there's different avenues that are being uh, taken into account, including yourselves. But, you know, the legwork still has to be done within the league to, to uh, give, the, give the brand value because you can't mm-hmm. bring somebody to the table and go, this is, this is our league. You've got to show value with the league. You know, it's in order for somebody to take a risk, um, and that's really what it is. Somebody has to take a risk, to your point, to see value in it, just like the NBA took a risk with the WNBA to, um, to see it through because initially it lost money, but they knew that eventually it would turn into a profit because of the interest, like you said, high interest with women's sports. So the same, same platform happens here. Um, I think that that's right. reality, and, and, and it, it will come. And hardworking general managers like yourself with a, you know, bottom line conscious attitude. And the one thing that, that takes away from the sport in terms of going forward, as you said, is the struggle basically with costs, the travel costs and everything else that comes with it. Um, so that's one of the things that, you know, is an obstacle. And in reality, it's, 
it's something that has to be uh, brainstormed with some quality general managers so that you get really good ideas about how we go forward and how do we introduce this sport so that somebody will pick it up and see value in it. Um, but uh, the Atlanta Phoenix, tell us a little bit about Atlanta, the history of the Atlanta Phoenix um, last year, and then uh, what we're looking forward to to 2018. Man, uh, you know, we're we're one of the younger teams, and some people don't realize, you know, you got the D.C. has been around for, you know, uh, 15 or more years, and just, I don't know, man, I just, I just hats off to Paul uh, Hamlin and, and Rich over there just, you know, holding it down for so long because this is tough, man. This is tough to get your wallet and these women beat up um, every year. So um, and last year, the Atlanta Phoenix, you know, we were um, – I, I made a, a, a replacement in, in our coaching uh, fairly late into our training. Um, and so, you know, a, a, a new group of, of, of great guys came in um, and, and – not ashamed to say it had to be it had to have happened in the NFL sometimes. Um, within thirty days of the first game, you know, we made a, a, a major coaching shift. And um, you know, just nobody really follows us like that, right? <laughs> it just it just didn't make it the bleacher report. So, um, you know, we made a major change in our in our coaching and um and, and it works out well for the long term. Um, but that staff has to learn their personnel, their athletic, their athletes, and um, and make some adjustments. And you know, it's just it's just tough to come in to just be the new guy, and um, and and take on a, a new crop of, of athletes and, and and get them on board with a new system. But we're rocking and rolling, man. They love the guy. They love the they, they love our coaches. Coach, you know, Coach Montgomery. Uh, we call him Gump. Coach Swain. Uh, Coach Brand. We've got a couple of new coaches, Coach Simmons and, and Coach Johnson, that are joining, and they're all specialists. Uh, we've got some um, some professional um, experience um, in in that um, in, in that group of guys, and, and so uh, we've already started. So they they weren't able to work with the girls as this early um, last year, and so I think that's going to make a huge difference. And we were a solid team of of, of athletes last season, as we always have been. And I think that we, and I say it every year, but I think that this is the year that we have the formula that's going to put us right there uh, and solidify our, our, you know, efforts to, to be one of the last two teams um, playing this game in, in, in 2018, you know, July. So the new coaches, um, same solid athletes that are going to be working at, you know, um, getting better in their positions spot-specific development starting now. And, um, and and so we're starting six months ahead of where we were last year, and I think that's going to make a big difference for us. And, and we're, we're going to be a much – if you thought that we've been doing well in the past season, we we smoking now. We, we, we cooking with – is it grease or fire? We cooking with one of them. I don't, I'm not very domestic, so I don't know if you cook mm-hmm. with grease or fire that it says that you're doing awesome. But, <laughs> hey, you know <laughs> – Let's just say that you know we're uh, we catering because all the food is going to be brought to us and it's going to be amazing. <laughs> so, spoken like a true so, general manager with uh, with fire. N- number one's your goal. That's that's good. I, I should put a death and you together, and <laughs> I guess a death is no no different. Oh, that's She's, my homie. <laughs> yeah, she is that's like we're finishing first. We know we're talking about no, not making the playoffs. We're not talking about not even finishing. We're we're going. 
<laughs> She's like, this right, is, right. And, that's the goal. Anything less than that, don't show she, up. <laughs> she, she, Odessa knows. I just saw Odessa was just here in August, and and I talked to her a lot. She's one of my favorite people on the planet, and that's not that's an understatement. And um, let me tell you, she she knows that I got love for, for her, but she knows that I wanted to be Atlanta and Dallas in the end. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yellow shoes Yellow shoes is about to retire <laughs> But yeah, uh, she's yeah. still making waves She's still making waves Absolutely Alright, uh, April uh, Your main rival So fans that are listening Who's your main rival? If you had a main, if you put Atlanta in the main rival Is it DC? Is it DC oh, your man, main rival? Let me tell you <laughs> If we get beat by DC one more time, <laughs> I just can't take it. I only it bring anymore. it up because I, mean, I know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just keep getting beat by DC, and it's just gotta stop. Okay, so yes, yes. Um, I, they're just they're a solid team, man, and they just give us hell every time. And I, you know, my team is not afraid of competition, and we if if we get smacked in the mouth, we get smacked in the mouth. But we're underprepared. We're underprepared. It is what it is, you know. But we love to play teams like the DC, you know. And so, if I would say if it was, it was a rival, the DC Atlanta rival stems before you know the Atlanta Phoenix. I think that there was a rival with DC and Atlanta Explosion before we even came around. So um, it's a healthy. Um, rivalry and, and a healthy sense of competitiveness. So the score doesn't reflect it <laughs> in the past few years, but um, but you know this year. Yeah, you, you I, had I, a, you had Hamlin, there. you had Hamlin there. Now you have Amanda, Amanda Congiali. Uh, she she's going to be pretty good too. So they, they have a good uh, system there. I think uh, they did well this year as well, even though they didn't finish at the top uh, where they wanted yeah. to finish. But to your point, yes, uh, the the Atlanta Phoenix, uh, the DC Atlanta rivalry, yes, is is an enjoyable one to watch. It is, it is. Even though the score doesn't reflect it, it's as enjoyable to watch as it is. But um, and and I'd like to think that another rivalry that's coming up is, and even though they're tier, tier two, is the Alabama Fire team. I mean, that's a tough team. Alabama Fire is a tough team. If they had more players and they can throw more people at at, at the competition they'd be hell to deal with. And, um, you know, so I want to see them develop. I want to see them get tough. Because, you know, the the South just needs to rise again, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just, uh, yeah, it's just, I, I want to see them. And I would like to say that Miami's a good uh, rivalry, and that's just because my girls like to go down there and, and so much. So, um, but, it, yeah, is it the beach life? Good, good is it the beach life that goes to yeah. play the Fury? Is that, is that what you're telling us? Off. They're going down yeah, like to we like, have we a good like time. Going, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We like going to Miami. We like going to Miami. But Gayla's got some. She's got some. She's got another crop of tough girls down there. And um, and I just think that you know we just we have a lot of tough teams in the South that um, you know um, it's newer for us down here, and so we don't have the experience of playing some of the older, yeah. more established um, teams that they have in the North, but. Um, I mean, give us some, give us some time, and, and we'll we'll come around. But again, I think that having that, you know, funding also um, assists in attracting some um, some talent that could make the southern teams a lot more 
competitive. Look at Tampa. Tampa went all the way to the Tier 2 championship. And, you know, Jen's doing a great job in Tampa and, and getting some talent and being one of, a, a great team to, to showcase the South. So, I don't know. I'm just maybe I'm just a Southern Belle and I'm loyal as hell to the South. But, um, you know, uh, I, I, I love my teams in the South and I would love for us to have better rivalries here in the South. But for now, yes, yeah, it's, it's the D.C. Divas. Uh, <laughs> but it's cool. It's okay. Hey, you, you said it. It's good general manager up there. He's putting his hard-earned money, just like you said before, just like you guys are trying to do in, in Phoenix, uh, down in Atlanta with the Phoenix. So um, tell us a little bit. Your website is really well done. I like the website. It's very easy to maneuver. It's got good things on there. The only intangible that I have with the WFA is stats. And I think the, the reality is whoever's in Tier 1, really needs to make the effort with that because to draw in fans, yeah. we really need to make a stats-driven type of league because how are we going to know, you know, who the top players are without stats? And the NFL goes on stats, the NBA goes on stats, the WNBA goes on stats, everybody goes on stats. I, do you feel like that's an issue that needs to be resolved or somebody needs to take control of that or, you know, the individual teams really need to take pride in the fact that they – the stats have to be accurate because as fans, when we dive into the WF site or the individual sites, we don't see that. So we can't really, you know, uh, how would you say, um, you know, give praise to somebody that's obviously an outstanding athlete, a player. You know, you, you had Lisa with over 10,000 passing yards. Um, you've had Allie Hamlin before that. You've had um, – other players that have just created milestones, but we don't celebrate those because the stats aren't there. Do you feel that that's an issue that needs to be addressed uh, so that we could dive Man. in? Because before somebody, before somebody dives into you, into a branding, stats are really big when you have a conversation about sponsorship because that's going to tell you, hey, we got the number one player in the nation in our team. We have the number two defensive back. You know what I mean? Those things speak volumes. Well, you don't have that sometimes. That's not something out of your bag that you can just throw out. But when you have it, it's like it's just an added bonus and say hey, we're number one on the, on the, in the southern southern side of the coast, and our top we have top three players nationwide in terms of stats. But uh, that's the only thing that I've had an issue with since I've been covering the sport is the fact that the stats are is so inconsistent. Yeah, you know, and, and the thing is, is that, and you're actually speaking my language, and, and out of all the things, there, there are several things that I kind of, I, criti- I, I criticize myself and about, and, and that's definitely one of them. And, and what happens is you, is you find a resource that says, yeah, I'm going to commit myself to getting these stats, and it's super important to get them, and then you get a person that doesn't really respect that. They don't respect yeah. that. We need yeah. those stats. And then what happens is, is they slip on them, and they don't provide them, and they find interest in doing something else, and, and they think that they had other different roles or something like that or whatever, when it's like, look, this is super freaking important, and it's on you, and it's just really something that's kind of boring um, to people, and they don't want to stick to doing it. And then you have other people on the team that are dedicated to um, providing other, other tasks, and and then the the stats and, it, and then they have to roll the stats into onto their plate to have to do as well and then before you know it you have a snowball of um, incompleteness and you know and, you, and then you've got the teams that just really just kind of throw some numbers out there not giving respect to it but I, let me tell you something 
my day job and what I do for a living and how I feed myself, my family, and my team is I am the, I am the senior, you know, program manager that leads, well, a project manager that leads the, um, the stats team and the structured data team for, um, um, for Turner. And the properties that I manage in collecting the stats and massaging them and aggregating them and displaying them for the world to see for, through Turner um, for Bleacher Report, NBA.com, PGA Championships, E-League is what we're working on right now, um, NCAA, March Madness. Like, that's my job that I do at, at, at Turner. And it's not that I actually physically collect the, the stats. I lead the projects for those different properties for Turner. And let me tell you, it is an enormous amount of work. There is an, an entire department that's dedicated to making sure that the real-time quantified uh, factors in a, in, a, in a sporting event is correct in real time, and there's, there's nothing that could be um, out of place or whack about them. And there's so many different third-party vendors um, and, and back-end resources and infrastructure and architecture that's involved in getting sets together for your MBAs and your March Madnesses that it's, it's not a small um, undertaking at all. And so the way that we do stats in the WFA um, is nothing compared to the way that it should be done, and, um, and that's why it's failing. But not to say that it's, it's failing because Lisa doesn't think that it's important enough. But, again, it goes back to can we get some resources that do this for a living? Can we get some resources where this is what their job is? There is mm-hmm. I lead a team of, of, of eight developers that do this, not just one guy that is collecting the stats. That's not how it's done. So if you want it done sure. right, we're not doing it correctly. We're doing it in a mom-and-pop type fashion, and it's never going to be right if we do it that way. But at the moment, that's the best that we can do because it really is a, an enormous, an enormous uh, um, you know, epic to take on to, to get that done right. And it's because it's as serious as you said that it is. So, I, I mean, I, I can't even – I, I got to wait, go to sleep in a few hours and wake up in the morning and go talk about nothing but stats and <laughs> getting them right for TBS for the different properties that I told you. Wow. So you're talking, you're talking to the right person. That's actually what, yeah. what I lead and do for a living. And so I am embarrassed by, um, by what my team has presented in stats as well as um, how, we, how we present them in, in the league. But it's not an embarrassment to the, to the ownership and the management of the league. It's, it's because I believe that we do need – Again, those professional resources to come in and, and assist us in, in getting some of these third-party vendors to um, lend their service to, services to us so that we can take it as serious as, that it, as it is and present it as serious as it needs to be taken. Because that, like one of my players, J-Rock, pointed it out as well, but she was absolutely right, that this is how she can attract sponsors her and she's certainly one person that needs you know assistant along with some other teams I have that played on the line and, and one of my players Blair has been playing for six years and you know someone who's been playing for six years and even though she's a lineman and you don't see the stats or whatever but it would help if her stats spoke through her quarterback that had great stats put in and she could point to that even though you may not see her on the list so J-Rock would have some stats in the tackle area, 
and, and Blair would be able to showcase this is what I was able to do for my, my quarterback. So it, it, everybody needs them. Whether you're on the list or not, everybody needs them. And, and we're just not doing it right. All right. So uh, me and Troy just blown away just from that little conversation and information. <laughs> so we applaud you. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of work, like you said, a lot of work. Uh, it takes a lot of effort. I can tell you that right now, especially with social media marketing and everything else. People think it's just no big deal. It just comes out and just right. gets get displayed out there. <laughs> no. There's there's uh, little mouses and monkeys behind everything and how things are going to be intricate and put together. And at the end product, it always looks cool, but uh, to get it to look cool, it's a totally different story. Um, April, what do you see – 2018 for the WFA here. Uh, news just broke out uh, this week. The surge kind of shift to the IWFL and things like that happen. I know internal stuff happens every year. Um, where are we going? Are we sticking to the tier system from what you know? And is that something that will work towards that pro level idea that we're thinking? Uh, yeah, we're sticking to the tier system, uh, That was, which is what I, I hinted to before about, you know, we have some inter, internal workings that, and, and discussions that um, must continue. We're not there um, yet in that growth and, and, um, and soothing those pains. And so for the moment, yeah, we're still going to see a tier system. Um, San, Diego, San Diego Surge, um, moving on to the IWFL, um, you know, it's let me tell you, we got to stop this jumping. We got to stop this hopscotching and this double dutching. You know, um, it's really not helping anybody. Um, and but I can't speak to their, you know, to their feelings and, and to their business decisions at all. I just know that it doesn't help. You know, it doesn't help at all because uh, the flip flopping really shows a, a, a level of immaturity and and um, discourse and and just um, lack of, you know, unification across the entire league. Um, and I'm not pointing to any immaturity to, to any particular uh, team. I'm just saying as a whole, it doesn't show that, that our efforts have matured to where someone would be attracted to come in and help us. Um, we still are operating at an infant level. Well, maybe toddler. And um, the way that startups operate now, right now, you have to show – where you have been able to um, to unify and to show some sort of um, growth that is um, synonymous with what the bigger guys are doing. And I don't think that we're there yet. I don't think that we're there yet. I don't think that we'll be there this year because of some of the turbulence that has happened as a result of a San Diego surge that has left the, the league and some of the decisions that led to that. So, Man, I'm trying not to be like I'm trying not to give you like a a flippy floppy you know political answer. Oh no no, answer. I, we understand. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're we're yeah, clear. I, I mean, there's always like I said, there's that's been a kind of a normal in the sport, so it's it's not like surprising. Uh, the only thing that surprises you is when you know a good quality team, just like New York and um, Carolina, you know yeah. New York Carolina last mm-hmm. year shifted from IWFL to WFA. And we understand the intricates of business. You know, travel costs less, more, more competitive matchups, things like that. And every owner takes into consideration those things. Um, I see that you guys are having tryouts on October 14th. You can uh, text hash, hashtag I want to play. 
to uh, 770-203-1114. That's uh, hashtag I want to play to 770-203-1114. So uh, on the 14th, October, what do uh, interested uh, athletes or players, what do they need to do? They need to come and be an athlete. Um, this is not the NFL combine where these guys have been playing since kindergarten, right? Um, this is this is what we know. We are undertaking um, converting women from a, a prior sport to this sport, okay? And so what we're looking for is athletes, and we'll make you a football player, you know? So, you know, in the NFL, those guys go to the combine sometime in the spring, and before you know it, they're at camp with those teams after they're drafted, you know, just a couple of months after that, and then they go right into playbook learning. And so um, that's not the case here. We need this time to take the athletes that we see, and, and they can run fast. They, they have great coordinate, coordination. They, they, they're tough. They can hit something. Um, they, can, they can fall down and they can get back up fairly well. We were looking for people that are agile. And, uh, and we're not looking for any particular size. One thing that's great about women's football is that every size is respected. So you've got players as small as 4'11", Lisa, for, for instance. You know, Lisa, the, the owner of the league, is, is a really small lady. You know, she's a, she's a great receiver, right? And then you've got, like, somebody who's a, a, a 6'3", you know, 250-some-odd pounds, and you've got that, that – the, the the lady that's on the D.C. team, she's like, I think she's like six feet, 20 inches or something like that. And, you you know, every every height and every size of womanhood could be um, utilized in women's football. And so we just want women to come out and do their best and show us what, what, what they can contribute as an athlete. And don't worry about showing us that they can be, that they're a football player right now. We don't expect any of them to be a football player right now. We want them all to just come out and show us something that a football player has in them. And, um, but we do cut. Do understand we do cut. The Atlanta Phoenix does not have very much turnover, so we don't have a whole lot of people that leave the team. And so, um, you know, I really can just afford to take on so many people onto the roster for travel purposes, like we talked about before. But uh, we do cut because we are only looking for athletes and some other teams in smaller markets. They take on, you know, any, hey, you know, sign up and just come and put on a uniform there and, and we'll, you know, we're filling seats, you know, we're, we're filling spaces, but that's, that's not how, how we operate. So um, yeah, yeah. we are looking for just athletes, just athletes. And we cut about a third of the people from tryout. And then we do three, we do two more cuts um, before um, February. So, you know, we're that team and we're that team because, we tired of getting beat by DC. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. So, uh, <laughs> of course. you know, October 14th, you know, if they want to come out and try out, I would suggest doing some burpees because it's, it's great. It's a great total body and it, mm-hmm. it helps you get down and get up. Run a 40. Let me tell you something. You, you know, an athlete, when you see one, when they run, if they look crazy running, they probably haven't played a whole lot of sports before, right? And so, That's true. Uh, run a 40. Do some do some burpees, um, and and hit somebody, hit somebody or hit something, and um, because we're gonna put our hands on you just a little bit, you know, uh, just to see if you if you've got if if you if, if we could just knock you over or not, or if you if you've got some pushback on us, and so there'll be some cone drills and some and some things like that. We'll see if you've got some hands. We'll see if you can throw, but nothing like running plays and you know and expecting you to know 
Yeah, yeah. Know, uh, so it's an introductory, you know, nothing like that. An introductory to the yeah. sport in a way, and then you're you're doing baby steps, like you said, with every aspect of the sport. Where's your skill set, person, in a position to where they feel like they're going to be successful and and contribute to the team. Um, AtlantaPhoenix.net, right? AtlantaPhoenixFootball.net. That's the site to go to. Um, there is a register here tab. You click on that, and you get the information there. You can visit the team store there too, at the Atlanta Football, uh, AtlantaPhoenixFootball.net. Uh, you can visit them on Twitter at 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 Atlanta underscore Phoenix at Atlanta underscore Phoenix. And to register today, you can text hashtag I want to play to seven seven zero two zero three eleven fourteen. You can also go to their Facebook page. I believe it's Atlanta Women's Football, right? Our Facebook page is actually Atlanta Phoenix Football, and just like our Instagram is Atlanta Phoenix Football, and um, that's the way. That's the best way to stay engaged with us. You know, it's the, it's the millennials, 2017. A lot of people aren't going to websites anymore, and so we're actually mm-hmm. going to change our website um, coming up in, in 2018 at the top of the year to make it a more media um, friendly, since we're becoming a media product. So. Um, look for that to change coming up in the in the new year. But for now, yeah, that's all the good information to get in touch with us. All right. So uh, Atlanta, Atlanta Phoenix main rival, D.C. Diva. So if you're a Diva fan, watch out. The Phoenix is coming in 2018. April, I really appreciate making the time, short notice. Really uh, give us insightful. Uh, we're looking forward to Hail Mary, you said, in 2018 in January. Um, that's still yep. in the process. So you will be posting that up as soon as it gets finalized and the time and, and date of, of the uh, premiere and all that, right? Absolutely. The sizzle is actually going to come out within the next 30 days. I just took a look at it, and um, it's coming along, and we're just trying to make it a little bit more edgy. <laughs> so, no, yeah, of course, it's yeah. coming out. Yeah. And so, and, and that's what you want to do. We, you want to present something really good quality so that puts it out there in a way. So we applaud your efforts. Um, I would just – Wanting to get you on as soon as, you know, we could. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But ultimately, uh, you know, great job you guys are doing out there in Atlanta with the Phoenix and obviously with this project. And uh, we uh, we are crossing our fingers that it will be a hit and maybe get picked up by a bigger network. And that's that would be a great, great thing for the WFA and the players themselves, like you said. And hopefully that's something going forward with the positive to revenue, as we all want for all the uh, all of, uh, the hardworking women that play the sports. So, uh, April, if you ever need anything, uh, ch- uh, let us know. We'll get you back on here and then promote uh, with, as we promote on social media as well. And so um, if you have anything else, uh, thanks for the time. I really appreciate it. That's it. It was a pleasure. It was fun to talk to you guys. Thank you, Troy. You know, Oscar, it was, Thank it, you. Was, it was amazing to, to talk to you guys. So um, I appreciate the, the forum and – and the plug, and um, and just you guys just keep doing a great job at respecting women's women's football and knowing that we just we just want to play with each other, you know. Thank you, April. It was a pleasure, April. Thank you. All right, bye, y'all. So, April, I, I apologize once again for botching your last name. So I will get it right at some point. Uh, but I I really appreciate you coming on. Looking forward to the Atlanta Phoenix 2018 season in the WFA. Um, especially Phoenix Divas in 2018. So have a great uh, week. Well, looking forward to another chat. Um, if you need anything, give us a, give us a call in, and then we'll get you back on. That's cool, guys. Appreciate it. Good night.
All right. So, Troy, there is uh, April uh, Chrysler, if I'm pronouncing it right. And I haven't got it right yet, I don't think. But if uh, of the WFA Atlanta Phoenix. Yeah, Chrysler. Um, So she's doing a great job, as you can tell. I'm passionate about it. Um, Really, really, you can tell in her voice that she's really hard. I I can't wait to see this documentary in this series because she's going to be a focal point of it. So we'll get to see her live and get to know her personality even more from what we just heard from her. Yeah, I definitely love the passion. I mean, you can hear it in her voice. I mean, and that's what you that's what you need when it comes to, you know, uh, you know, uh pushing something like, you know, uh, anything that hasn't been in the spotlight. And you, that's what you want to do. You want to get somebody out there that has that hunger, that has that vigor, and you can hear that in her voice. I mean, it, and it was funny because just listening to her, she definitely reminded me of OJ or for her, you know, for those two to be friends. I'm like, yeah, of course, of course they're friends. I mean, they're, they're virtually like, I mean, they're, they're, they seem to me like two peas in a pod. So I love it. I love to listen to them. Yeah. That's why I brought her up because she made me feel like uh, every time you speak to Odessa, just you're, you're excited. <laughs> She's a very good motivator. She gets you motivated. Um, and, you know, she's just, She's the same way, and I think it's going to vote well for what she's doing on this end to try to get that going. And there's obviously a lot of other folks in the league that try to do benefits to the league and to the brand. Um, so I'm glad that they're sticking to the three-tier system. Pretty exciting. Gives everybody an opportunity to play at some level. And then hopefully we get the pro, WFA pro. That would be so nice to, to, to get to that level so we could see um, you know, college-related NFL-style women playing American football. And that's what the goal is. All right. So, Troy, let's dive into college football. Um, actually, let's let's finish up NFL. That's what we were talking about, NFL, right? Let's see here. Let's see what we got here. Go NFL. Let's finish up NFL here. Um, the uh, Packers on a roll. They beat the Bears. So no surprises there. And in the rankings, they're probably number two in everybody's rankings, right? Uh, the Packers being number two. Uh, I guess you're not I'm giving them number two. Could, you could. No, I mean, like I mean, honestly, I, I know. I, I I would say right now, I would say the Steelers are number two. Uh, the Steelers look really? like they're just they're playing on a different levels. Uh, I mean, I know, I know they took a loss to the Bears, and it was a little bit of a step back there, but they came back and acquitted themselves against a division rival in Baltimore. Uh, they went into Baltimore and beat them pretty handily. Just, you know, and that's that's the mark of a champion is when you have a team that's down after Baltimore started 2-0, and and they went and just left that stinker over there in London, um, and they were trying to bounce back. And what, you know, what, what Pittsburgh did was just put their foot in their throat, and then they rode their horse. Um, I would have to say Pittsburgh. Um, I will put Pittsburgh as the number two horse. Number two horse. What do you think of Atlanta uh, at, so far? They're three and zero. Is it is it three and zero that they fall? Let me see well, they, they've lost to Buffalo. Um, oh yeah, they lost to Buffalo. Um, so Kansas City is and, the lone and, wolf. And, yeah, as far as being undefeated, Kansas City, I mean, you know, you got to put them up there as the number one team. Uh, Atlanta, to me, would be a close second or third. And, I, you know, I kind of give them a pass. I mean, number one, 
take nothing away from Buffalo. I mean, I know a lot of people aren't thinking a lot about that Buffalo team, especially all the players that they lost and traded away in the off season and also uh, during the preseason uh, with Sammy Watkins leaving, uh, uh, Ronald Darby, he's gone to the Philadelphia Eagles, and no, and no one really expected anything. And then now look at them, they're leading the AFC East. And when was the last time you saw that? I mean, without the Patriots being uh, the number one team in that division, the Buffalo Bills are riding high right. after beating two straight great teams. I mean, they, you know, um, you know, it just they beat Denver last week and then they beat Atlanta this week. But I mean, at the same time, you know, Muhammad Sanu, he went down. Um, uh, Julio Jones, he went down also. I think that kind of accounted for it, but still, take nothing away from that. They still have Matt Ryan. They still have horses on defense. And Buffalo came in and really just took it to them when they had to. Again, it doesn't matter when you do it. It's just all that matters is, is the W, and nobody looks at the asterisks. There, there's going to be no asterisks in the NFL. Once you get that win, it's time to move on. And they're riding right now 3-1. Did the, did the Bengals benefit – having the Browns on the schedule this week? Because that's the way I looked at it. Oh, oh yeah. Man, absolutely. I mean, listen, what better way to, to get yourself back on track than, than to play the Browns? I mean, Andy Dalton, he looked terrible this entire season. He goes out against the Browns and throws four touchdowns, and he looks like Joe Montana out there. I mean, that's that's what you need a lot, a lot of times is to end up playing the Browns. And the poor Browns, I mean, these guys can't catch a break, can they? I mean, you, you know, they start to make some progress. And then you play a bad team in the, at home, and you expect to possibly get their first win since last season. They, them going one and fifteen, and then they go out there and just get blown out in a division game. You know, you have to wonder the plan that the Cleveland Browns have to rejuvenate their franchise with the cybermetrics and all of that stuff. Is it really going to work? I mean, it doesn't really look like it's panning out right now. Maybe it's a five-year plan for them, and they did have they did get some players, but man. They really got it taken to them. Andy Dalton looked great out there getting the ball to A.J. Green. We'll see if they can continue to bounce back. They're 1-3 right now, and they had high hopes for the season. And going forward, you'll see if they can springboard themselves and get a little bit more confidence going forward. All right. Uh, Troy, what is going on in Baltimore? And is it it's going to be a big issue going forward here? Two weeks in a row, this this team has just collapsed. Oh, it's definitely going to be a big issue. And the issue is they don't have any playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, Joe Flacco, um, you know, he had to throw the ball 49 times. And to me, it's inexplicable because you do. They brought in Alex Collins. Uh, They got him from Seattle. In the last few weeks, his average per carry, I believe, is over six yards a carry. I mean, give him the ball. I mean, you know, you know, so. I mean, you got to. I mean, you don't really have playmakers at the wideout position. I mean, right now you're starting wide receivers are, are Mike Wallace, who I, I believe I don't know, is he 35 years old? I mean, he's not the Mike Wallace in, that he was in Pittsburgh. I mean, he wasn't a very he wasn't playing very well last year when he was with Miami. And then you have Jeremy Macklin, who you know he's been injured enough, and they got him from Kansas City as a free agent. I mean, those are your two horses right there, and you really need something else on the offensive side of the ball other than Joe Flacco throwing the ball around. They're really going to have to try to establish the run, and I don't know what's going on on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, obviously you play against Le'Veon Bell. I mean, he's, you know, he's a great player in himself, but then in Jacksonville's an up-and-coming team. 
So you can look at that and sit back and say, you know, they still have a shot in there two and two right now. But man, it does not look good, and that that locker room cannot be very confident going forward. They're really going to have to put something on the offensive side of the ball and be able to move the football some way, somehow. And I just don't see how they're going to do it with the personnel that they have on that side of the ball. All right. Two weeks in a row, Jets fans are smiling. Another week where the Giants fans are just can't understand what the hell is going on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the who, Jets <laughs> get by the Jaguars, who apparently you know demolished the Ravens in the U.K., so, uh, you know, the Jets, the Jaguars, we've, we've seen them up and down, up and down, and this is one of those down weeks coming off a high. But what do you say about the Jets right now? Well, I mean, <laughs> this one is hard to explain. I mean, other than that Bilal Powell, uh, you know, that, that you know, what everyone thought that he was down and then he ended up running for 80 yards. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you really don't see that a lot in the NFL. But, I mean, no, you don't. to me, that was enough to springboard them going forward. Jacksonville started to actually put things together in the second half um, in the fourth quarter. They ended up tying the ball game in the fourth, um, scoring 10 points and putting it into overtime. And, you know, and the Jets ended up pulling it out. So you got to take your hat off for them to find a way to do it. Honestly, I just don't believe that the Jets – I don't believe in the Jets right now. Um, again, if you have um, have a McCown as your starting quarterback, I, you know, it doesn't really bode well for you going forward. So, I mean, they got two good wins, two in a row, and that's all that matters. But going forward, I mean, they just really don't excite me either. But they do have some young studs on that defense. I mean, that defensive backs – that they have on that team, they are flying around. I mean, that they look like a really good football team in the back end, and you didn't think that was going to be that, uh, especially the way that they looked last year. I mean, they had to get rid of Darrell Reeves the way he was playing. and But right now they look a ton better than they did um, the past two years in the defensive backs. Um, so, But you wonder how, you know, how much are they going to be able to muster on the offensive side of the ball. Lau Powell, I think it was an aberration for him to get 160 yards. I don't think you'll get that going forward from him, uh, you know, but we'll see. You'll, you know, they could, they have surprised before, but I just don't think, I don't see it. I don't think they have it in them going forward. All right, let's go into week five and top three here. Uh, do the Chargers come into uh, against the Giants and do the Giants fall once again? Well, I mean, the battle of the old fours here, I mean, that's, it's, it's funny because, I mean, it, it, I think, both of those teams have you started to see both of them going in the right direction. Um, and they started to get some things going, but it just seems like it's always something. It's always something that really holds them back. Um, San Diego is, is two missed field goals away from being at least two and two. Um, and, you know, the giants, they, you know, we had, you had two teams that come in and kick field goals with the time, with time expiring to win the games and their last two games, so they can easily be two and two right now. It's just really a, a tough go for both of those teams. If they have anything to look at, they can look at that and sit back and say, "Hey, listen, we can go ahead and move forward. All we have to do to be just as easy as we lost these last four, we can string together some wins." But they got to get this win coming up right now into the Meadowlands with charges going across the uh, across the entire uh, country. It's going to be tough for them to travel. I know people um, kind of talk about that, but 
the, the interesting thing will be the Chargers will be playing a nine o'clock game um, Pacific. Well, I guess it'll be a four o'clock game Pacific time. I mean, uh, Eastern Standard Time. So that's you know they they still get a, a chance to do that. But Philip Rivers he started to play a little bit better this past week um, after having a four interception game against Denver. They just ended up, they just weren't able to pull it out. The, the Giants cannot run the football and they cannot stop anybody. It's going to be really yeah. hard for them going forward if they cannot fix that. And, yeah, exactly. You know, they can have all the playmakers on the outside, but if they cannot protect Eli Manning, who's you know he's already up to four interceptions this year, it's going to be a long season for Eli Manning and the rest of that Giants team. Okay, do the Cowboys rebound against the Packers this week, or are we giving Rodgers the win? Well, listen, anytime you have Aaron Rodgers, I think – I know what you want because you're a Redskins fan. And I already know what your call oh, yeah. should be. <laughs> oh, yeah, it'd be a beautiful thing for Dallas to come out of this two and three. I mean, I would like nothing more than that. Um, but I tell you, Green Bay, as, as per usual, is, is, is a little bit banged up. I mean, that team seems to always accrue some kind of injuries. Both of their tackles were out, Bakhtiari being one of them. Um, uh, he, he, I don't know if he's going to play this week. I mean, that's kind of up in the air. I can't, you know, I got to wait for the injury report to come out. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. The good thing for them is that Dallas is kind of struggling on the defensive line. I mean, Demarcus Lawrence, one week he'll look like, you know, the best defensive end in the NFL, and last week he was he just disappeared against the Rams. So yeah. which team is going to show up? Is Sean Lee going to play for Dallas? Because that is the absolute key. If he's not out there, that Dallas team can be beaten every which way you can think of. And Sean Lee, again, is struggling with injuries this year. But, again, let's go back to the quarterback play. That's the, the marquee matchup right there. Dak Prescott against Aaron Rodgers. Dak Prescott, you know, I know he he's not competing directly against Aaron Rodgers, but he'll want to make a good showing, especially on his home field. But I just think Aaron Rodgers has way too much firepower. These guys are three and one. They don't want to let go of that lead. And I just think Green Bay ends up pulling it out. All right. I'm not even going to talk Monday night because it's Vikings, Bears. I really think the Bears are going to win this. But uh, let's talk. Does Houston go? Does Houston get the home win and makes the Chiefs, gives the Chiefs the first loss of the season? Oh man! See, this right here is my favorite matchup because I really want to see the ascension of one Deshaun Watson. This guy came out last week and and, and hung fifty-seven points on the on the, uh, the Tennessee Titans. No one expected. Everyone, I think people, some people expected him to be a good player. You know, especially as a rookie. No one expected, like, a performance like that. So, right now, he's not sneaking up on anyone, especially KC. KC, they, you know, they, they play well on defense, but they have this bend-but-don't-break mentality. But Deshaun Watson is at a different level as, as a quarterback, especially with him being a dual threat. He really threatens, and, and he threatens every inch of that field. Kansas City will, will still play that bend-but-don't-break but they're definitely going to have to account for him some kind of way. Are they going to implore the the same tactic that they did against the Redskins by keeping them on the sidelines and having Alex Smith? People kind of downgrade by calling him a game manager. I call him just being efficient. He still hasn't thrown an interception this season. He is about as efficient as it gets, and right now you can throw him in the MVP candidate category. But he has been as efficient as possible and you know, keeping the ball out of the offensive hands you'll see if they can go ahead and move that forward. But, again, you still have that Texas defense. 
and do not underrate how quickly these guys get off the ball, and they are still about as fast as anyone in the NFL. This is going to be a great matchup. This is going to be one of the marquee matchup of the entire weekend, in my opinion, and I can't wait to sit down and watch that one. All right. So we've got college football. Pretty interesting week in college football. Um, we called some games out last week. But the Cougars come out on top, 30-27. to 27. They get the win. Pac-12 conference there. Um, what do you say about that that game? Well, Holly and I talked about it. I mean, when you, you go up yep, the pole and you got Mike Leach, I mean, anything can happen, and it sure did. I mean, and I, I just felt like, you know, I, I felt like that, that USC was going to get a little bit exposed. Um, you know, they – they aren't taking care of the football, and you know if you have uh, if you have too many of those turnovers, Sam Darnold is just throwing way too many interceptions. He came into that game throwing six picks, um, and, and that's just way too much. You can't, you really can't overcome that, and especially on the road in a hostile environment in a Pac-12 division rival, you can't go in there and play like that. And I was not surprised to watch um, Washington State win that when I had them winning it outright. Um, I didn't know it was going to be a blowout, so to speak, but I, I felt like I was pretty confident that, you know, Washington State would pull that win out. What do we say about Clemson here? Undefeated, three of those wins came against ranked teams. They they took care of Auburn, Louisville, VT, impressive 31-17 win on Saturday. That's, I think, 12 consecutive road wins. Number two in most polls. So uh, what do we say about Clemson? Clemson right now is the best team in the NCAA. I mean, this, despite the ranking, they're the best team in college football because they can do it any which way you need to do it. On the defensive side of the ball, Michigan right now is ranked number one, but the Clemson Tigers, man, I mean, top to bottom, these guys can just fly around. I'm just watching their corners, the way that they play. You typically don't see a shutdown corner in in college football, but I just feel like, man, the way that they're playing football, I mean, their their defensive line is so fast, and on the back end, their defense, I mean, their their D-backs are just, they're one of a kind. I mean, you just, I'm so impressed with that team right now. I just think even last year where you had their, um, the championship season, they're playing even better than they were last year. So, just, just to watch them play is a treat for me. It's just, you know, they're, they're, they're just a tough team to beat. And they can be also explosive on the offensive side of the ball with Bryant. Um, he's taking over for Deshaun Watson. People really wanted to know, um, you know, how he was going to uh, – Kelly Bryant, how he was going to um, kind of acquit himself. And I just think he has been fantastic all season long. He's a dual-threat guy, and he's also being efficient, not really turning the ball over. If they can keep this up, which I think they will after beating Virginia Tech, I just think that this team is primed to run the table and just be back in that championship game and at least the playoffs. All right, NC State enters the rankings here. Surprises you here at this point or not? Um, not uh, Yeah, I guess it is a little bit of a surprise because, you know, they're not really one of those explosive teams. And, um you know, the way that they play football is they play very sound football. Um, when you have Ryan Finley, he's, he's play, at, at the quarterback position right now, he's throwing nine touchdowns. He hasn't thrown an interception. And so, again, if you limit the turnovers, 
you know, you have a chance. And then you have a, a kid like Naheem Hines who's running the football. He ran 400 yards against Syracuse last week. Defensive end Bradley Chubb, he's, he's, the, he's one of those star defensive ends. This guy is shooting up the ranks right now as far as for um, uh, NFL um, talent evaluators. He's shooting up the ranks. I mean, two weeks in a row, he's accounted for two sacks. He gave uh, Florida State fits. He chased Blackman all around the field. I mean, he, he forced a fumble. Um, he, he had two sacks against him. He did the same thing. That against, guy's a beast. Yeah, he did the same thing against Syracuse. I mean, he's going to have his hands full this week because they have Lamar Jackson coming in the rally, and you want to see how mm-hmm. he's going to play on that stage. This could be one of those huge, huge uh, upsets in college football and also one of those coming out parties for a guy who's really not known on the national stage, but people around college football and especially in the ACC, you're really going to start to get to know Bradley Chubb. There's another Chubb down in Georgia that people really talk about, but I think this guy will actually be one of those guys that are right up along with him. All right, so, Troy, a big win in Louisville over a ranked team, uh, you know, 17, ranked number 17 right now. That would put NC State in the top 20 pretty much, right? It would bolt them into the top 20, right? Absolutely. I mean, because, I mean, you got to think about it. Louisville has Superman on their team. And so if you can take down Superman, Lamar Jackson, and he's coming into your house and you make that environment very hostile for him, I mean, he's, he's dropped out of the Heisman race, but that doesn't make him any less dangerous than he is. And so he's, you're talking about the ultimate dual threat quarterback. If you can come, to, if you can put a game plan together, to slow him down or, you, you know, lo- limit his effectiveness, and especially with a guy like Ryan Finley, who that's his marquee, you know, is, is being efficient, not turning the ball over and making sure he's making the right play. If you can beat a ranked, that, a, a ranked opponent, especially as a team like Louisville, um, that, I mean, the sky's the limit for this team. And so you're, you're thinking at this point, you know, their next hurdle would have to be Clemson and – you know, that now you're talking about a great showdown coming down uh, later on in the season. But, I mean, yeah, NC State definitely needs this game because not a lot of people are expecting them. I mean, no, no, not a lot of people expected them to be at this point. And this is the time of year where teams are starting to separate, where you have those preseason rankings, and now teams are actually starting to separate between week four and week five as far as who's the real deal or who is pretenders. And it looks like NC State is one of those real deal teams. All right, Florida, the Florida, the state of Florida now has Florida, Florida State, and Miami, all pretty sitting pretty well here. So, what does it say about the, that state? Well, I mean, it's always been a hotbed of recruiting, and you know, it's, and this year has really been no different. I mean, Florida pulled out that huge win against Tennessee a couple of weeks back. Florida State right now is reeling, reeling big time, especially after losing DeAndre Francois. Are they going to be able to get back, get it back together against their hated rival? I mean, you're talking about one of the, the biggest rivalries in college football is Florida State versus Miami. Miami has to go in the Tallahassee this year to play this game after this game was rescheduled from earlier in the year. And you wonder right now, how is Blackman, um, the quarterback for FSU, how has he started to get himself together? Um, he hasn't looked very comfortable back there. But at the same time, he is still learning, and you wonder, is that going to start to translate into wins? Now, Miami right now is 3-0, and and they're ranked number 13. But not a lot of people are giving them respect, I mean, especially after they've beaten 
they beat West Virginia. I mean, excuse me, they beat um, uh, BC. Uh, <clears throat> they beat Toledo and they beat Duke. Not necessarily murderers row, but they still look uh, like a formidable team, and they look they're a team that can move the football. But how are they going to work against that fast FSU defense? That's what you really want to see with this team. Now, right now, they're, they're an underdog because they're going in the Tallahassee, even though Florida State hasn't looked very well. But And you, you think that Miami team is not going to feel disrespected? They're the number 13 team in the league, and they're, they're the underdog? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no one is doing Florida State any favors right now. Miami's coming into that game pretty angry, and I think they end up getting that win. All right. So, who, what are the three games that we should be watching for this coming week as we go into week six? Well, we talked. Well, we talked about the Louisville. Um, we talked about the Louisville NC State game. I just think that's going to be one of those pivotal games. Is Louisville going to be able to get back on track after really getting beat down by Clemson? It's an early season loss, so they can recover from it. NC State is looking for respect. Can Ryan Finley keep the ball away from uh, that offense? From the Louisville, um, from the Louisville Cardinal, I just think that's the, the that's the pivotal matchup. It's an ACC matchup. ACC doesn't get a whole lot of respect when it comes to football, not like they do in the basketball. But it's just going to be a great atmosphere for them to go ahead and play in there um, in Raleigh, North Carolina. The other game I wanted to talk about was West Virginia versus TCU. West Virginia is coming in there ranked number twenty-three, um, and TCU is number eight. Now TCU had a huge win earlier in the season. Um, when they beat Oklahoma State, which, which is everybody's darling after watching them, you know, play offense. And But the one thing people really don't know or don't really give respect for for TCU is how they play defense. Now, in the Big 12, that's, that's an anomaly. Gary Patterson is known for his defensive side of the ball. But they can also score. I mean, with Kenny Hill, the transfer from Texas A&M University, this guy can, he can just flat out play. And right now he looks very comfortable in that system. But listen, West Virginia does the same thing. Daner Holgerson, this guy is an offensive guru, and he has quarterback Will Grill. He has him Will Will Greer. He has them playing at a high level right now. So both of these teams can score. Both of these teams are coming off a of bye week, and it was pretty much needed. But listen, West Virginia has a terrible, terrible defense. I mean, they gave up 34 points to a really bad Kansas offense. And KU is struggling all the way around. I mean, Kansas is not very good at all. And they scored 34 on them. And so you got to sit back and say to yourself, Tennessee and Kenny Hill, they're looking at chops waiting for this game. It's going to be one of those consummate Big 12 games where teams are running up and down the field. So if you want to see high scoring, definitely tune in to see that game. I really think TCU has the edge because of their defense and is playing in, in TCU. I just think Texas uh, Christian is really going to win that game, and I have them winning it outright. Uh, the second game, or the third game, rather, well, I'll go with the second game, um, is uh, Stanford versus Utah. Now, Stanford took two big losses. But listen, I just really think that Stanford is the type of team, and they have the kind of coaching staff with, uh, with, with Shaw as their head coach where they did take those losses, but those guys can really refocus. And I think with Bryce Love, their running back, he that's a guy that has just now vaulted himself into the Heisman race. He's already ran for 1,088 yards on 98 carries in five games. And wow. so th- this guy, is he is an absolute awesome back. And just think, he is replacing 
Christian McCaffrey, who was drafted number eight by the Panthers. And so just imagine the type of backfield they had last year. So Bryce Love, that is a guy you are definitely not going to want to miss. And so when he comes into um, – when they're going into Utah to play this game, Utah is only allowing 87 yards a game. But they haven't seen a guy like him. They haven't seen a guy like Bryce Love. So and the other part of it is, is Utah on offense – they had Tyler Huntley, who was hurt last week. Troy Williams came in. He took over for him and then went against Arizona. And we don't know who's really going to start for them. Tyler Huntley is a guy. He's a dual threat guy. He's six foot seven. He's a big kid, but he can run. And Troy Williams, maybe not as fleet as foot as, as Tyler Huntley, but he is still effective. And he, he's, he has, uh, you know, the, um, the tendency to make a big play. So that's going to be something to look at there. But I really want everyone to tune in and check out Bryce Love. That kid is absolutely amazing. The third game I want people to take a look at, Michigan and Michigan State. Now, this one right here had a lot of controversy because this has moved to a 7:30 game. This is one of those historic rivalries. I mean, you're talking about this is a 110-year, uh, this is the 110th year of this rivalry. And so they typically play at 12 noon or 3.30, and this game will be a night game. And so – uh, Brian Lewerke, the quarterback for Michigan State, he's a dual-threat quarterback, and he's been pretty efficient running that, throwing the ball. He's their leading rusher. And they are, their only loss was to Notre Dame, and they lost that game at home. And they play, But they played pretty solid football, and they just beat a solid Iowa team who really gave um, uh, Penn State fits two weeks ago. And so they really rebounded from their loss to Notre Dame and looked pretty good in that. They also play really strong defense. I mean, they're number two in the Big Ten, only behind Michigan, who is ranked number one in the country. So they're a solid team, and they're young. And so you want to see how they equip themselves. But they're going into the big house. I mean, this stadium right here is the biggest stadium in, in North America that holds 115,000 screaming Michigan fans. And so you want, you want to see how Michigan is going to come out. That crowd is definitely going to be behind that defense because, again, they're ranked number one in the country above anyone. But they struggled a little bit on offense. But the good thing is, not the good thing, but Wilton State, he was hurt. And so, enter John O'Corn, who transferred. He's a transfer from University of Houston. He played sparingly last year. But this year, he came in and they sparked the Wolverines in their win against Purdue last week. I mean, uh, well, two weeks ago. And so, they had a bye week. They got a chance to get O'Corn um, uh, acclimated a little bit more to the system. He's already comfortable with the system. John Harbaugh is comfortable with him after after beating Purdue. I just think this is going to be a marquee matchup. This is one of those old rivalry games that you're really going to see a lot of hate. Michigan calls Michigan State little brother, which is probably the most disrespectful thing you can do to your rival. And so definitely tune in to watch those games. It's going to be an exciting weekend in college football. This is, again, this is separation Saturday. This is where all the guys, who, all the teams that were ranked in, uh, high in the, in the preseason or, or were not ranked at all, where it starts to come together and you see who's the pretender and the contenders this weekend. It's going to be exciting. Everybody, Pac-12 has been pretty exciting for me. I've been watching that uh, so-and-so UCLA, not so, not so hot, but you know how that goes. I mean, you just got to stick with it as much as you can. But uh, Michigan – that Michigan game matchup is going to be great to, to watch. So everybody should be tuning into that. Uh, we've got news and notes here before we get out of here. We've got uh, about three minutes here to go. Um, go to our Facebook page at Gridiron Beauties. You can check out the uh, Berno Amazons. 
uh, in season now, the Czech League. You have the preview there as well uh, for the Czech League, uh, 2017 preview of the Czech League of American Football women's season. We'll keep tabs on that. The Prague Blackhawks, the Prague Harpies, uh, as well as the Bruno Amazons, which are the champions. Go to the uh, Great Iron Beauty site on Facebook. Like I said, you can relive the 2016 Czech women's final on Bruno's, earn their championship 26-12 versus the Prague uh, Black Cats. Um, Great Iron Australia will be back in action October 7th. We talked about that big clash matchup. It's going to be the uh, Bayside Ravens taking on the Gold Coast Stingrays. And uh, if you go to our Facebook page as well, you can relive the 2017 AFBD German Ladies Ball Final. Berlin Cobras win the third title in a row, second time in franchise history versus the Maine's Golden Eagles, 32-26. And the Nailbiter, you can check out the highlights there from um, 2K Photo, courtesy to them. Appreciate that. And you also get uh, the action of the Campeonato Brasileiro Femenino de Football, which is the Brazilian women's football these uh, quarterfinals and semifinals, and we'll get updates there as well. Um, you can go to the Facebook page as well and uh, keep tabs on that. So the Sino Coyotes, they will take on the uh, – let me see my notes here. Coyotes will be taking on the Fluminense Football Cariocas, and that's going to be October 28th. We'll have coverage on that as well with our partners, so we'll take care of that. So if you have the latest, go on Twitter at Great Iron Beauties on Twitter. You can always go to Facebook at Great Iron Beauties for all the latest on women's American football, and we cover it all. So, Troy, it's uh, been a pleasure. I think uh, April enlightened us on a lot of stuff that's happening with the Phoenix, the upcoming uh, series that's going to spotlight some of the uh, amazing athletes, not just for the Phoenix, like you said, but for the brand, for the WFA. So looking forward to that in January. Oh, man, yeah, it was a great show, man. Just extremely informative again. I mean, April was fantastic. She she got me riled up. I can't wait to see what Atlanta does this season, and I'm definitely going to check out the you know, reality show when it comes out. Um, I'm really geeked to see that, man, because I, I just really want to see that this um, these ladies get the right platform to get on, and I think, I think this will springboard them into something just like that. All right. Um, just a reminder, everybody, go to Zazzle.com, Zazzle.com, forward slash Grand Beauties. Get all the latest stuff out there for women's American football. Uh, you can customize your stuff. Go to Zazzle.com, go to our beauties, get your gear. 40% off daily. Use the daily codes. Um, so, Troy, looking forward to the NFL week, I believe it's week five almost, right? Week four? Week four? Am I off? Week five. Week five. five. And we got uh, college football week six. And so, pretty good matchups. Take a look at those. Um, so, we'll be back here Tuesday next week. So as we do it all over again for the week, so take a look at College Football Week. And so follow us on uh, Facebook at Gridiron Beauties. You can subscribe to our podcast via Apple Podcasts, or you can uh, go ahead and follow us here right here on Block Talk Radio. So for Troy Wilson, for the absent Holly Custis, we'll be back next week. Oscar Lopez saying thanks for joining us. Uh, have a great week. We'll see you here next Tuesday as we talk more college football, more NFL news, and as well, women's gridiron news. So have a great weekend, everybody. See you guys.